This podcast contains explicit content. You are listening to Hardly Focused. Dissecting the news one tangent at a time. When there's nothing left to burn, you have to set yourself on fire. Free FM. Here you can be free. David Lee Roth. Drowsy little heads. Awakening. out the tropical wind stretching across the morning sky and a tiny shout it's Roth quick put on the radio my mic is a little distorted but so am I early. Let's have breakfast. If ever I'm feeling useless... If ever I feel like I haven't accomplished anything with this podcast, Hardly Focused, uh, with Mike Terrar or Jack Gale, HardlyFocused.com, uh, if ever I feel useless, I just remind myself that uh, David Lee Roth was a radio host um, on on several major market radio stations for what felt like the longest four and a half months ever in 2006. And that was a clip from one of his broadcasts because uh, I've discovered that it, they still exist. They're still out there. If you I don't know, know why, but they are. If uh, you go to the Internet Archive, the Wayback Machine, they are they're all there. <laughs> all installments, all four and a half months worth of David Lee Roth broadcasts. And uh, I, I looked that up recently because uh, Rich Shirtenly from Toucher and Rich has brought it up a few times in recent months uh, and, and credits the failure of David Lee Roth as to why Toucher and Rich came about. And why hey, he- sometimes somebody's got to lose in order for somebody else to win, right? So just the quick backstory there is um, David Lee Roth was picked to replace Howard Stern when Stern left in beginning of 2000, end of 2005, beginning of 2006, when he went to satellite radio and uh, CBS radio at the time didn't know what to do to replace Stern. So they decided to have different hosts depending on the region of the country and on the East Coast. We got David Lee Roth, and he was on in he was broadcast at New York City in Stern's old studio, but then he was in Boston, he was in Philadelphia, just all up and down the coast, and um, not the best. Putting it mildly, not that good. Uh, for example, broadcasting from New York, Philadelphia, Dallas, Boston, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, West Palm Beach, and Yakima. All right, not Yakima, but same. <laughs> 
It, 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 oh, the only reason I actually mildly put up with the fact that you play that is the fact that my sister lives really close to Yakima. <laughs> <laughs> and so I like, I got a little bit of a chuckle out there. Like, uh, and all right. Okay. Yeah. And Yakima is not like a big city, right? No, it is not. It is, it is, it is a metropolis for those little specks of towns in the middle of nowhere, Eastern Washington, which is on the dry side of the state. I don't get why he would mention Yakima when there's another city in the state of Washington called Walla Walla. Walla, Walla yeah. In my opinion, that's funnier. Uh, I don't know, because maybe Walla Walla doesn't seem as real. He also thought that the Yakima reference was just so funny that he did the exact same thing the next day. We're broadcasting internationally. New York, Philadelphia, Dallas, Boston, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, West Palm Beach, San Diego, Chicago, Yakima. All right, not Yakima. So, uh, yeah. I think it would have done well in this day and age as a podcast like ours, where just uh, an hour of him just being able to do whatever he wants and say whatever he wants because that's what he tried to do for four hours a morning, five days a week and wasn't... Uh, so what you're saying is he's the Apple Newton of podcasts? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Pulled that one out of your satchel. Well, you know. I'm uh, sure you can buy one in Yakima. Well, not Yakima. But soon, yeah. Uh, here is a phone call that uh, Dave tried to take. Uh, uh, what led to that what led to the downfall of his show is at the end of March 2006, they attempted to do like a week of remote broadcasting from West Palm Beach. And why? Why West Palm Beach and not Yakima? Right. Like, hello, like feed into it. Yeah, because this was around the advent of live streaming, too. So, I mean, there is an actual airport in Yakima, so he could technically fly into there. Could have done it. A puddle jumper, but he could do it. Well, I mean, in all seriousness, too, it was, you know, I think they were probably trying to do a tour of the affiliates and he was on in in, in West Palm Beach, quite literally. So, uh, yeah, they do a live broadcast from there and it was supposed to last the, like the full week. And <laughs> I don't think it made it any longer than two days before CBS pulled the plug on it, sent him back to New York and uh, and then then kicked him off forever a week later. Yes. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, here's the phone call, which was uh, nothing short of a spectacular success. Our freestyle for a little bit. 888-923-9369. I got line three here. Somebody wants to talk about the martial arts. Kurt, are you there? Yeah. Okay, Kurt, go ahead. What's on your mind today? What's that? Go ahead. You're in the spotlight. Okay. You're on, buddy. <laughs> you, me, and about seven million of our closest friends, Kurt. Talk. Kurt. I'm sorry, is this Dave? Yeah, this is Dave, Kurt. Go ahead. Sorry, buddy. Um... Ratings success. This was this was the plan to replace Howard Stern. Yeah, that was a plan. A plan. I mean, maybe not the plan. Yeah. Ooh. And that that whole strategy too to replace Stern. Failed pretty much across the board. It wasn't just David Lee Roth. He was the, I I think of the failures, the highest profile and the biggest failure. 
Now, now <laughs> you failed the best. <laughs> now, Opie and Anthony came in to clean up his mess. Um, but uh, Adam Carolla, I mean, he did well enough. I mean, his show still exists in the form of a podcast, which is exactly what like David Lee Roth like should be doing. His, his actually exists. And his, I think he's next to Rogan. He's, I think at this point, he's got like the second most popular podcast in existence behind Joe Rogan. Uh, interestingly, it was the, um, like the smaller market replacements that are still around to this day. Like in, um, what, I mean, Washington DC is not necessarily a smaller market, but their stern replacement is still around the sports junkies. Uh, BJ Shea is still around Seattle. The Woody show is, is not only still around, but now syndicated and doing very well. So, uh, I guess, if you were the front man of Van Halen, you you were destined to fail. So what you're saying is Sammy Hagar should not be putting out a podcast anytime soon. Sammy Hagar, I mean, he really isn't any better than Roth. They're they're both very good showmen. Sammy just laughs maniacally and then talks about tequila while drunk on tequila. Cabo, wabo, hey, all right. I mean, he's looking great for 75. I'll give him that. I can't live 75. Oh, my. He, he posted something on Instagram recently. It was his wife's birthday, and his wife is significantly younger than him. Whoa, really? A rock star marrying a younger lady? <laughs> no. But it's also not, you know, not many celebrity couples stick around for very long. Uh, true, true, true. That's it's well known for the uh, two ships in a night. And they've been together for about thirty years now, but uh, he. I mean, at this point, they're staying together. Yeah, she's in it for the long haul. And the caption was something like, "You're so beautiful. You look like you haven't aged a day." And I can tell you why she looks like she hasn't aged a day. Plastic surgery. Oh yes. Just all you gotta do is just picture Joan Rivers. Wow. It is like there's something about like when you have plastic surgery and you've had a lot of plastic surgery and a lot of work done on your face where you just you're just triangular. Does that make sense? I I I get what you're going for. Yeah. The the there there's a softness in a natural face generally. You know, there's some models that really have angular faces, which is great for them. But yeah, generally a face is soft. It's got a roundness to it. And when you've got things that are pulled and implanted, it's like a little bit too polyagonal, yes. if you will. The uh, the pixels are not exactly lining up. Um, you may be a little bit of a an early to mid-2000s Lara Croft. Yes, with the triangle tits. Thank mm -hmm. you. Exactly where I was going. Yeah, that's and they all have the the nose all looks the same. Is there just like one manufacturer of plastic noses out there? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, Doctor Feldstein, uh, great nose guy, great nose guy. But he he has the nose, so the nose knows. Is he? Um, I guess he's the uh, competitor to uh, Doctor Fadugo. Doctor Fadugo. Of course, he's Jewish too, right? I mean, let's be honest. The best doctors are, right? <laughs> There's a Muslim guy named Feldstein. <laughs> he, 
He's Scotch Korean. <laughs> you don't make a wee bit sense. <laughs> uh, Mike, were you working at the radio station in 2006 and early 2006? No, I I joined up at towards this end, like sixth September ish. Okay, was when was when I first started. All right, so you missed, um, the 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 whole. I wouldn't say I missed it, but yeah, right. But like, because I'm just curious how, because AAF was WBCN's direct competitor, and BCN was airing Roth's morning show. So I I can only imagine that Greg's ratings skyrocketed even briefly at that oh, I'm time. I'm sure as soon as that happened, it was like, okay, nothing and we're off. I just wonder what the sentiment around AAF was for that brief period of time. And then what the sentiment was when O and a came in it, it competing against the station that made them. Uh, yes. But uh, anyway, so there's that uh, every once in a while. I like to uh, bring up, David Lee Roth show and just I, I really do it as a reminder that to myself to myself that things but could if be David Lee Roth can't do it anyone can just a reminder that things truly could be so worse. much so much worse Mike Tarara it is uh, your first show in 2023 you are correct, sir. Uh, how was your holidays? How were your holidays? Uh, I believe they're over, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Not too shabby. Uh, we did get the tree up in time. That yeah, sounds good. On Christmas Eve? Uh, no, we actually ended up for a while, but <laughs> okay. we just were like, uh, are we going to put the decorations on? <laughs> we never did. <laughs> they're just down cellar in the box still. Fuck it. I didn't put any decorations up either, but that's because uh, I put the tree up I didn't do it last year because uh, of the cats, and I wasn't sure how that would go. This year, I took a chance. I put the tree up. And how'd it go? They sniffed it once, I think, and then just left it alone. Fake tree, right? Fake tree, and I didn't okay. put up any ornaments. Okay. So nothing that was dangling that they could jump and. I mean, and as, as is, you have to put you know loose silver tinsel out for the cats to eat, so you have a, a, a tinsel poopsicle you know, that you've got to pull out when they uh, start eating that stuff. Um, now, have you taken your tree down, your decorations down? Uh, <laughs> I, there's a couple of decorations that were up there, like uh, a couple of things, like a couple like kinder surprises that had like little uh, ornaments in there. And I took them down to take the tree down and just didn't get around to taking the tree down. And then Nick marched in and go, basically, in a five-year-old not swearing, who goes, what the fuck is this? And basically has this evil scowl like he's going to kill somebody and takes all of the ones that I put on the on the counter, every single ornament that I had and put it back on the tree without saying a word. <laughs> all right. Okay. Did he actually swear? No, but that was the intent. The, okay. the intent behind, he didn't say a thing. He didn't say a thing. He just had this scowl like he was going to kill somebody and, and the intent behind his eyes said, fuck you. I'm putting these things back up right now. I hate you all. He didn't say anything. He just he said it with his eyes. Yeah. Hi, am I on the air? Yep. Fuck. <laughs> exactly. Uh, do you let your kids swear? Do we let them or do they? Um, no. 
only because we want to make sure that they know when they can. And generally speaking, they don't know when they can yet. So we don't let them. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, they will, they will, they will go, uh, what do they do? Damn it. They, they damn it. Christ. Instead of Jesus Christ, they damn. combine damn it. Jesus Christ. And so I'm like, well, don't look at me. I'm not the one who says that. One. So, <laughs> is it? Luckily, they haven't heard too much from me when I'm driving, so it kind of works out. Have like do you do you swear in front of your parents? Uh, now, yes, not. I mean, obviously not to the extent that I normally swear, but I do swear a little bit in front of my mom, and she used to correct me, and now she just doesn't because she's like she has a, a bit more of an I don't give a fuck attitude. Yeah, that's what happens when you get older. Yeah, she's uh, my growing up for me. It was very hypocritical in that my parents both swore like sailors, especially if you look at my father, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't think he would. But uh, when, you know, he, he would get worked up, he'd swear. And then, you know, younger me thought it was okay. Well, if you guys are doing it, I'm going to do it. If all the cool kids are doing it. And then, of course, I would get berated for it. But now, sort of the same scenario as you. Now that we're older, everyone's older. I swear in front of them all the time. And there's never any uh, pushback. No, no one tells me to stop. And they just do it right back. And it's, I feel that's, it's, it's almost like breaking a barrier when you do it. Yeah, it's, it's like you, yeah, there's, there's a certain point where like, all right. This is somewhat acceptable now. Like we're no, we're no longer a family. We're just uh, like a group of pals just hanging out in a pub. Hanging out. Uh, by the way. Down the street. That's starting soon, Mike, on Netflix. I know. That 90s show. There's a clip uh, on YouTube. Oh, geez. Featuring that gentleman. <laughs> He's in one episode. So they uh, they kind of blew the the lid off of that, but the dynamic is there. The clip features uh, Red and Kitty, and Bob makes a, a brief appearance. Um, but it's it's like it's like nothing's changed. I'm excited. I will give that '90s show a chance. I'm cautious about it because I I mean it all depends on the writers. It all depends on the rise because they, they did they did what the '80s show and that just that was awful. That yeah, was awful. Like, eh. now they got the original, you know, you know, parents there, so that's good. I, I, pr- promising a little bit, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That I'm not show. gonna. I'm not gonna watch it live, if you will. Okay. I will wait. Right. Wait for the reviews. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna sit back and. It's probably also going to get the same treatment that most Netflix shows are getting now where they're all they do getting, one season. And they get canceled. They Fuck you, Netflix. Canceled. They all get canceled. And then something like get renewed for a season two. And then the renewal gets reversed. Yeah, I'm seriously annoyed right now. Thank you. 1899. Fucking assholes. You liked 1899? Yeah, it was fucking a mind weird. Like, okay. Like, I mean, sure. It seemed like you was borrowing from certain, you know, things, but like, I liked it. And then it transforms and you're like, oh, this is what it's going to be going forward. And then it's not going forward. And it was one of those things where people were confused because Netflix intentionally had it set up where you were naturally hearing the 
the dubbed version of everything. And it doesn't work that way. You need to watch it with the subtitles. Okay. Because there are five languages getting spoken on that, on the ship. Oh, so if you just watch it and you listen to it, you're like, why is this person not reacting the way that they should when they heard this guy talk? Well, it's because this guy's talking in Spanish and this guy's talking in German. Mm, okay. And it makes a huge difference in terms of understanding why they're reacting the way that they are. Okay. You're like, okay, well, that explains it. So, yeah. If, if given the option, uh, do you prefer the, the subtitles or the dubbed versions of, of, like, I guess anything foreign or made to be foreign? I prefer the subtitles. Okay. Um, Sarah figured out because she was watching this that she hates the she doesn't like subtitles ever for most things but she's okay with dubs for european languages but not like uh asian languages like uh chinese or japanese or korean movies okay. she doesn't like the dubs and i think it's because at least with with most europeans the the syntax is similar with the mouth movements whereas with uh you know Japanese, it always have that lag of here's a here's a sentence and it's sixteen syllables long in Japanese, but three syllables long in in, in English. <laughs> right, right. Or the other way around. And it just it, for her it takes her out of it. Which is why I, and I don't have a problem with subtitles. I will I'll read subtitles all day long. So especially with Korean stuff, because the Korean stuff is a lot better than the American remakes anyway, most of the time. Almost all the time. Like Train to Busan and, uh, you know, Old Boy and, and all that stuff. Did you watch Prey on Hulu? I did. I did not watch it in Cherokee. Okay. I don't think I did either, but that seems that seems like something where it would the, the impact, it would have a stronger think, impact if you watched it in their native language, even though I think, because yeah. they, they did multiple they did takes, do it, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think if you did it in the native, after you watch in English, watching it in the native language, without subtitles oh because i think that's the thing i think after you watch it in english you know what they're generally what they're talking about yeah you can get the gist of things but especially with the you know, the the french fur trappers keeping them completely in french not dubbed and having cherokee and french go back and squawk back and forth like oh that that'd be yeah and then when the french guy you know does he actually talk in english or is he talking Cherokee? You know, because the one of the, you know one of the two, two, two guys, one of the guys is talking right, and they understand him. Like that, that right there is the reason 1899 worked so well. There's a video game called Ghost of Tsushima, which I played uh, last year. I've I've heard of that one. I have not played it. And uh, there is an option where uh, they recorded uh, all the lines in that game, all the dialogue in both English and um uh their native language so i played it subbed instead of uh english Dubbed. right because uh i felt it would be a more authentic experience and i liked it i thought it was really good i i, I feel like it had a a deeper impact i resonated with it more hearing everything in their native language oh the with, difference is too with the native language you're getting the actor's actual intonations and inflections, even if you don't understand the words that are coming out of their mouth. Yes. 
And so no matter what, even a great dub, which you can sometimes get from the actual actors too. They're like, hey, I'm multilingual. I can do this, you know? Even then, it's not the same performance that was on the screen. So there's just sometimes just subtle differences that it may not take you out of it, but it doesn't suck you in as much. Yep. They didn't update for that game, too, because I guess there was in the initial release a lot of backlash over the um, the lip syncing for the dubbed version or the subbed version not matching what they were saying so they actually went and did an update where they corrected that so the uh when they're speaking in their native language it actually matches oh okay um you know what's coming out that's i that's where we're just at video games now if you think back like uh 20 years ago when it was still fairly new that you open could, mouth closed mouth open mouth closed mouth ex- yeah exactly it was just very haphazard animation and now the lip syncing is perfect like it's taking me out. I'm sorry. The O and the A uh aren't matching up. You got to fix that. The motion capture has gotten much better in the last, even in the last decade. There's a there's a game called L.A. Noir, which was lauded for being, I think, one of the first games to have like 100% realistic facial movements. But they were the the way that they were recording that doing the motion capture was uh, pretty asinine, I'd say. <laughs> Well, they'd have like dozens of cameras like you were sitting in like it's sort of like a circular hoopa jube and it was you're surrounded by cameras. But that's how they're picking up the facial movements and everything. And it's because it was all for the, the the detective interrogation scene. So you could actually monitor their facial expressions to see if they were bluffing. And now in 10 years later, the technology's improved to the point where you don't have to do that. You literally just need to act on a green screen wearing a goofy looking suit and it will pick up all your movements, including your mouth movements as they did. For example, with the last of us and the last of us ah. part two. And I bring that up because the reviews for the last of us uh, TV series dropped today. Uh, I, I not, saw one. I don't, I, 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 is it better if I don't say anything? Um, I, I don't know if you want to, but I do know I read because somebody was, you know, I was like, um, I think it was actually the actual showrunner. He was explaining why there's going to be differences in the show. And he said, I didn't want to do them willy nilly. I wasn't going to be like, well, you know, this is going to be different because it's different. He said that playing the video game, you've got to have a certain amount of pacing. But in a show, you can't have that same pacing because you're not the actual character. You're watching characters. So the pacing has to be different. But he would actually, you know, put these ideas out and uh, the, the, head, the head writer uh, and, you know, creator would, would go back and be like, oh, you know what? I should have put that in the game. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I saw that and I was like, all right. So they, they're very they're not necessarily true to the script of the original game, but they're true to the, uh, the intent of the game, yeah. you know, so that they have that they're going to have, there's going to have to be more downtime. There's going to have to be more lulls. They're gonna, there's going to have to be a difference of a character interaction. That can't just be up. Oh, here you go. Shoot you, shoot you, sneak, sneak, shoot you. So um, I'm, I'm hopeful. And sometimes it doesn't matter what the critics say. So um, I did see one review and that's it. 
Okay. And if you want to talk about it, I can. Well, all the reviews I've seen so far have been um, very positive. Yeah, I, it was a nine out of ten uh, that I saw. So, and a couple of the reviews, and I didn't read any of the reviews. I'm just going by the headlines and just sort of the you know. The, yeah, because I don't. I don't. Yeah, the reviews are like I don't want to see anything. We're like, oh, and they did. And like, no, I didn't. Wasn't wasn't a spoiler, but it was. Like, the headlines and then like the one sentence summary of the review, and they're pretty much all saying that um, they're they're happy that the show is not 100% aligned with the game and that they took liberties and did things that don't actually happen in the game. There we go. And, and that they branch off. See, what I'm excited for is to see uh, how they portray the outbreak uh, mm. because that's in the game, but you only see so much of it. So I'm hoping and that may be where they, you know, really had that like, hey, the game takes, you know, 10 minutes to explain and we're going to do it in three full episodes because we want to have that rich enveloping backstory for you. You know, when does it drop on PC? March 3rd, uh, March. Th yeah, it's, it, Mar it, it's too damn late as well. <laughs> Believe me, well, it's like I for, wanted to be able like to play it as I was watching it almost, you know. For, well, it's just, it's just like the equivalent of like seeing the movie before reading the book, kind of, you know. But I mean, still, it's still awesome. So oh yeah, I'll take it for what it is. I'm excited. I mean, if you if you pick the game up, then I'm excited to to know someone who's going to be experiencing it for the first time. I wish, and I always I always think about like, you know, games that you, like you don't you didn't think about the impact of playing it the first time and just knowing how significant it would be. And then going back and be like, I wish I could experience this yeah. for the first time again. When, when the part two came out, I was very much immersed in the idea of this is the first time I am experiencing this. So like really take it all in. Don't, don't um, like, don't get distracted. Don't, you know, pay attention to everything. Yeah. I, I think the, uh, the only, the only thing, and it, it wasn't even the game; it was the the uh, the trailer, which we actually watched on uh, the podcast. I think back in for two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Uh, so, Dead Island. Oh my god! Yeah, we watched that, and that is the closest I've gotten to an emotional response for a video game. I think almost ever. Yeah, and like that was just like that. Holy shit! So I, I know that The Last of Us is going to have an emotional reaction for me. So I'm prepared. Um, and I'm just going to sit back and basically just, you know, let it wash over me and, and enjoy what happens. So uh, the trailer for Dead Island, so significant that it has its own Wikipedia page. You know, you've made it when you've got your own wiki. Right. And now the game itself wasn't that good. Like I, I, it was, I, it was good, but it wasn't great. It, it wasn't what that, like that trailer said. I mean, it, it, this was a great like case study in trailer setting false expectations. It's a phenomenal trailer. It really is. It doesn't. I'm, I'm not like looking at the trailer now and saying, oh, because the game sucked. Now by proxy, in retrospect, the trailer sucks too. No, the trailer for Dead Island was absolutely phenomenal to this day. It was balls out, insanely good objectively good the, the controversy about that trailer is that it didn't show any gameplay it it didn't really show like 
anything about like mechanics. Uh, it really just kind of gave a backstory, a general backstory to what you know is going on in the game, showing a a tropical resort that's overrun with zombies, and it. And I was one of those people. It, it, it was the controversy came from people who then like pre-ordered the game based on the trailer, even though the trailer didn't show anything. And then uh, the game comes out, and really, like, this game is like okay it, at best. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the trailer set false expectations for a lot of people. Um, Lowered expectations. Um. Yeah. The the article here just summarizes it with uh, upon its release on february 16th 2011 the trailer sparked public interest and the community reaction led Techland to adjust the content to the actual game it was met with positive re- reception critics praise was directed to trailers new ideas story and immersion in tone criticism was reserved for its lack of gameplay information and its depiction of a dead child whatever uh, there's look ever since fallout 3 i have issues with dead children thank you very much uh, really quickly, retrospectively, the trailer has been considered as being vastly superior to the actual game and is seen as one of the best video game trailers ever made. Uh, I, I wouldn't even say one of the best video game. I, I would say it is one of the best short animated films ever made. Oh, yeah. That was what, like a three or four minute? Uh, Not like just a little over three minutes. Yeah, three minutes. And if that's considered short film, I don't know. But that in it of itself, like you could have put that up for like Oscar consideration. Is it triggering you? I can see it. Because <laughs> the, remember, the trailer is all backwards, too. Yes. Because it's the the girl, it's it's backwards as the little girls falling out of the hotel window, and then they intersperse it with the um, shots of the the zombies attacking her uh, family. Oh. They, at the very beginning of the game, too, they show the um, like you start off right at that spot, and you can find what's left of the family, and it's it's it, it's almost in there's like a little Easter egg. The only thing that came close is I believe was it Halo 3 or Halo 2 that had all the old guys that were like getting interviewed at the Museum of History for the you know the Halo Wars that wasn't as emotional but that was like that I felt deep like a deep connection like when you're watching Schindler's List kind of deep emotional like that not obviously not as deep as a Holocaust film but it kind of had that deep, like war movie, like but like real life, yeah. Event. Do you remember that one yeah. at all? Halo Three. Halo Three. Okay, all right. And that, I mean, at that point too, that was the, you know the Halo series, unstoppable. Oh my god! Yeah. I I don't remember that trailer specifically. It was a series of smaller trailers, but they actually spliced them all together into like a six or eight minute film, nice or something like that. And yeah, like there's this big. The first was just, it's just a big diorama of, uh, you know, like a battle scene, you know, of, of what we'd see like in a, in a museum. And it's just all these interspersed, very extreme close-ups of individual, you know, soldiers that are probably about, you know, six inches tall, maybe, maybe four inches tall. And then in other, 
vignettes, you've got these old, like 80 year old guys just wrinkled to all hell. And they're like, I was there when master chief and he was like, Oh, and it'll zoom in on this guy's like little figurine of like, that's where I was when I saw this happen. And it was like, it's, it's a retelling. It's really good. It's just really good. It's all as good as dead Island, but really good. It was all live action too. Right. Yeah, like even the fact that they were like doing this stop motion, like, like panning over, like a, a still, almost like a still image. You thought it was like in a three D rendering of they did it in a side. No, like they literally built like a an, a ten foot by ten foot table of what you know this big battle scene is, mm-hmm. and they just did extreme close ups of everything. Nice, man. I I kind of want to go back and play Dead Island now. <laughs> There's a uh, Dead Island 2 is finally coming out this year, I, I think. The trailer for that came out in 2013, and then the game fell into development hell. There's a couple of uh, good things that have fallen into development hell that we wish would come out. So yep. maybe they fixed the issues. Well, Halo uh, was something that, uh, you know, the, the live action first was supposed to be a film that Peter Jackson was doing, and that fell into development hell. And then that ended up becoming a series on Paramount Plus. And I was looking and at that's a, gotten mixed results. I was looking at a Reddit thread where I guess the Halo series was the most streamed show on Paramount Plus in 2022. And all the comments were like, I forgot there's a Halo show. Yeah, like it's not as good as it could be. Or as it should be. Yeah, I. I haven't watched it. I'm I'm not like i i love the halo games but i'm not like a super dedicated to it enough where like i was hyped that the show was coming up for example plus like i don't know i'm not i'm not a huge fan of pablo schreiber is his name i think schreiber i don't know porn stash he was porn stash on orange is new black so i'm just not a big fan of him plus they i think like he's because he's playing Master Chief and he takes his helmet off all the time. And that's part of the allure of well, Master Chief is he never takes his helmet understand. off. After Mandalorian, you don't take your fucking helmet off, man. Yeah, right? That is not the way. That is not the way. I got to watch Andor. Yes, I'm trying to get Sarah to watch Andor and she does not. She's like, I don't want to fucking watch any Star Wars series. Like, God damn it. Now, do you feel like you have to watch all of your shows with Sarah? Or, no, there's okay. definitely shows I don't watch. And she fucking falls asleep on the couch anyway, so I'll just watch whatever <laughs> the fuck I do. Um, no, there's some that we try to watch together to make sure that, okay, we can watch. But there's some I'm like, I'm not going to watch Love Island UK. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll I'll ask what's going on with Jordy and, and you know, whatever her fucking name is just to keep you interested. But I don't really don't give a shit. Um, I do find it interesting the difference between Love Island, US, UK, and Australia, how the difference of uh, beauty ideals are, but that's all they care about is like, it's interesting how fake tits are American and they're not in Australia. <laughs> hey, I think the Australian women are hotter just yeah. naturally. Exactly. They have more of a natural beauty. So uh, there's less plastic in them. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, because Andor is the least Star Wars, Star Wars of all. You do not have to like Star Wars to like Andor. You have to have just a passing understanding. Just a passing understanding of what's going on. Of Okay, there's the Empire. You know, we know that there's a rebel thing going on in the future. 
You know, you don't need to know Darth Vader even. It's nothing. It's nothing. It it is purely good writing. Yeah. That just happens to be part of a huge fucking universe, but you don't have to watch everything. With Andor, it's you you don't even need to be really familiar with the source material because it's a prequel to a prequel. Exactly. And it's all the source material is what you're watching. Yeah. At least with Andor, they're, they're giving now some backstory and some character development where Rogue One had none. That was, I guess, one of them. I mean, I guess both good and bad. I mean, I still maintain that Rogue One is the best film in the Star Wars franchise. Overall? Overall. Yeah, that's my and oh oh boy, do I love bringing that up? Oh, that is such a that's such a point of contention because there. I mean, there are people out there that agree with me, and there are people out there who are like true. But at least there's at least there's arguments back and forth. At least you're not the guy that's like honestly, I think uh, you know, Attack of the Clones is the best film in the series, or Solo is the best film in the series. At least you're not. <laughs> yeah. At least you're not talking out your ass, just trying to be a troll. I mean, right. you're legitimately just trying to have a constructive argument. My top three: uh, Rogue One. Uh, the season two finale of Mandalorian. Oh, okay, all right. And then Empire Strikes Back. So you're going, you're going, you're deep diving with the actual episodes now. Okay, and, and that's on my list of best films. And I'm throwing the season finale, of, okay. season two finale. Let's put it this way: I made the mistake of ordering DoorDash like halfway through that episode, and huh. uh, when it showed up. Dude didn't even read my instructions about just leave it on the porch. Mm-hmm. Rings the doorbell, stands there waiting for me to come answer the door. Door opens, and here's this 30-something-year-old blubbering mess who just watched The Mandalorian. <laughs> who's having a, all this an, an emotional breakdown. <laughs> Thanks for, thank you for the burrito, sir. <laughs> that, that was, God, that was such a good episode. That was so good. I got, but yeah, I got to watch Andor though, because uh, like I'm excited. I'm I'm intrigued at the idea of character development because there was no character development in Rogue One. No, but it it what kind of sucks is like you don't have you don't really have any emotional attachment to and, any and of the that's, characters. That's the thing too. You know where this is going. Spoilers, and everybody dies <laughs> in yeah. Rogue One. <laughs> it doesn't matter, and that's the thing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you know what Andor's final act is. You're, it's so written. You're invested into. You're invested in his story and the people around him, and you root for certain people and you fucking hate other people. And it really it it, it brings the bureaucracy of the empire. Oh, it's it's so good. Because it's not just this stormtroopers everywhere, bah, 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 shoot, 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 we miss, 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 you know, well, you know, lightsabers, ah, you know, it's just TIE fighters don't explode every 30 seconds. You know, the, the little things are a lot more scary. I still maintain, I mean, in terms of um, character development, uh, Rogue One, blind guy and his friend. <laughs> yes, at the, at, when they're uh, the second half of the film, and it just it kicks into gear. 
once once they go to that planet, it just kicks into gear. And that's like, even though there is no character development when they're uh, the point of focus there, mm-hmm. there, there's there's two moments that always get it for me. Them, and then at the end, when uh, uh, back on the on the ship, when they say Rogue One, may the Force be with you. Like holy shit, that's so powerful. It's so good. That's when I was like, "This is it. This, this is the best one in the franchise." <laughs> that that did. It for I, me. I do love how they originally had them surviving. Yes, They're like oh, we wrote it like a like basically like a Disney Disney movie, like a Spielberg ending. And they're just like, "No, we're gonna throw out this ending, and we're gonna make it different." Uh, you can thank Tony Gilroy for that, mm-hmm. and I think he's also the showrunner on Andor. I believe you may be correct because Gilroy came in because here's a, like it's it's the same problem that like Solo had where Kathleen Kennedy and, and Lawrence Kasdan they, they, they come in and they, they don't like what people are doing and and that's good sometimes and then other times you're like you're the recipe's halfway done and you're fucking with the recipe and now you're just gonna have a shitty cake right you're not going to fix the cake and make it better. You're now just going to have everybody's going to hate the cake. It's not going to be an average cake. Some people are like, well, I've had better, but it's okay. Now it's going to be like, this cake fucking sucks. It tastes like shit. When you have the, like the guys who were initially directing solo, they, they ended up, you know, they quit because they didn't like the interference, the creative differences. But with Rogue One, Gareth Edwards was just straight up like, I'm just happy to be here. Like I'm direct. <laughs> He's like, I'm directing a fucking star Wars film. Like I just, I just say it's an honor to be nominated. <laughs> nominated. No, I just said it would have been an honor, but I don't care. <laughs> so when they said, okay, we're going to bring Tony Gilroy in to, to fix the ending of the film. Edwards was just like, whatever you guys want to do. I'm just happy. I'm, I'm excited that I'm doing this. And Gilroy was like, as long as it works, man, as long as it works. And I'm, I, and Gilroy even straight up said, I don't care if this is a success or a failure, but he just wanted to make a good film. And uh, the yeah, the last five minutes of Rogue One. I mean, the last the, the second half of the film is absolutely phenomenal. But then the last five minutes, holy fucking fuck! Holy shit balls, Batman! Uh, but yeah, anyway, I, I will watch it eventually. I will watch. Uh, now, are, are you a binger? Or are you going to take your time? I don't have the attention span to binge. Oh, okay. So I can usually do like an episode or two in one sitting. So it'll probably take me like a week to get through the first season. Okay. I did that with Queen's Gambit. That was the last show that I, I said to myself, I want to watch this and sat down and watched the whole thing. And I, and I uh, did two episodes a night. And there were some nights where I was like, I wanted to do more but was afraid that you know I'd be pushing it. And then there were other nights where I felt like I was struggling to get through that second episode. That's that. Yeah. That's a, that's a meal of a show right there too. And I'm the type too. That's like, okay, phone devices, everything needs to literally be in another part of the house because you're easily distractible like a ferret. Yes. So I just need to sit down and put all my attention into it. Sit so. down and shut up. 
I got a lot of of shows that I I want to sit down. I just I got to get through. I want to I want to go through Edge Runners on Netflix, the Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven series. Oh, because I've heard no, that is, is that a a as close as you're going to get to it, or is it is going to be a legit? Is it actually for like crossover for Cyberpunk? It's uh, it's a crossover. It's an animated. I think it's an anime or it's at least animated but it is where where the game you know got you know middling reviews this series has has been uh, critically acclaimed and it's mm-hmm. only one season they said there's no there's no second season they they, they just one and done but cuz uh, cyberpunk that goddamn game i'm still playing it and i hate it but I can't stop playing it. It's just something about it. I don't know what it is. It's better than it was when it came out. But I don't know if it's just because of the, the environment or what. But if I sit down and I'll be like, I don't like this. This is boring. I don't like what I'm doing right now. There's so much potential here. And then I look down I'm like, oh, four hours has gone by. I suck. <laughs> I'm also trying to use this machine too. I talked about this in the last episode. I'm trying to use my computer that I built for gaming two years ago. Two years later, game? I'm finally using it to play games. I'm playing Witcher 3 on it in true Mike Torara fashion. There you go. Just not during the podcast, but. Okay. Oh, I, well, that's there's your problem. You got you to multitask, man. Now, actually, you know, because you run the boards too. You can't multitask. I can't. I would love to like have the game. Like I, w- I would love to be able to do that. Problem is, is it would you know what happens with the recording though the recording would get all screwy if i was trying to play a game at the same time I yeah, the, and you're, you're you're way too anal with your your audio quality so and i have the attention span of a, of a goldfish too so what huh, what? huh? uh i wanted to get your opinion on this because you have children yes and one thing that's in the news right now is in virginia the six-year-old Virginia, the six-year-old who shot their teacher. Yes, I was hoping I would get more information, but we'll have to go with what we got right now. Yeah. So, just from CNN, just the backstory. If you're unfamiliar with what's going on, uh, last week, a 25-year-old teacher in Virginia, her name's Abigail Zwerner. Uh, she was shot by one of her students. Don't believe. Oh, and the thing is, when you when you don't know ages, you're like, oh, a teacher was shot by a student. What you were thinking? Oh, high school. Okay, six years old. Okay. Six years old. Six years old. First grade. A first grader. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it's either uh, uh, an angry student or some just maniac who just picks for some reason in elementary school or a high school as their target. No, this was an actual student who just for whatever reason had a gun on them oh there's a specific reason uh the six-year-old was combative and uh struck the school employee restraining him when police officers took control escorting him out of the building into a police car yeah i'd like to know how big that six-year-old was because i've got a five-year-old and uh, there's no way after that happens that kid is getting any licks on anybody he is going full <laughs> judo like submission right there oh that kid's like a 75 pound six-year-old 
That ain't happening. All I can picture is Moe from Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> yes. I loved how Moe, his speech bubbles, his text was always in very crude lowercase. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I now you would think Moe, but I'm actually picturing more like Calvin. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, Nick is definitely Calvin sized. We'll put it that way. The article continues. The teacher was, quote, providing class instruction when the child displayed a firearm, pointed it at her and fired one round. There was no physical struggle or fight. Uh, it doesn't mention it here. It, it says that her I guess she's she's recovering. She had life threatening injuries. I believe she I don't know how like how she was physically. I think the bullet went through her chest. But she also had her hand up and she actually lost part of her hand. Yeah, it went through her hand, through her hand and into her chest is what I read. So there was a little bit of, of dissipation, a little bit of dissipation of energy into her hand. And I'm sure you hit, you hit your hand. That's just pure tendon right there all across the middle of your hand. Like that's your hands fucked up the rest of your life. Now, here's. I mean, this this is like pure adrenaline at this point, but here's where, where Zwerner here is a total badass. Article says, despite being shot in the chest through her hand, she made sure all her students made it out of the classroom just after the shooting. She was the last to leave her classroom, making her way into the administration office. So, yeah, you're like, okay, kids, we're going to leave now. I'm pretty sure the, the, the one teacher, like during the Columbine shooting, the one teacher that died sort of the same thing he got shot but he he had enough left in him too and sometimes get, the adrenaline too yeah the adrenaline pumps you're like okay the kids are safe and it, like as soon as you get that one dip of adrenaline he's like okay I'm yep. but apparently she didn't need that dip of adrenaline she was alive so uh the the two things i wanted to hear from you so first having kids of your own what are you thinking knowing now that a six-year-old in their first grade classroom could just be brandishing a weapon. Uh, I think it is uh, the, the first off the parents are entirely responsible and completely irresponsible at the same time uh, for that event. So a six-year-old should not have access to a pistol unless it's nerf he ain't supposed to be touching it yeah it's nerf or nothing literally okay um the other thing is why the fuck is a 6 year old thinking he wants to take a gun into school and shoot somebody yeah like his teacher like that so the other thing is like is this kid that's where I wanted to wait to see if they're like what they're going to do with them after the psychological evaluation. Are they locking this kid up in a fucking psych ward? Is he literally like a psych like psychotic, or is he just hey product of his environment or something in between? Like what? Because you see that you're like, no, nah, that's that's fucked up. That is fucked up. All the ways is fucked up. Yeah, like is it is six years old? Like is that old enough to be wanting to impress friends? And showing them, like, look how cool I am. I have a gun. Look what I can do with it. Remind me where in Virginia it is. Newport News. Not West Virginia. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I believe that's a coastal city. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
It's where the uh, it's it's close to where the uh, Navy base is too. Um, and I mean, even if it was a Navy kid, you should fucking know better, right? And, and if, if it was a it was a Navy kid, holy shit! What the fuck are the parents doing with the gun out? Um, but it, it is it's one of those like it's it's you look at it okay maybe if it was a rural location okay and you know even back in the day relatively speaking you know the more rural you are the more lax sometimes the gun availability is but generally it, it it's an inverse curve of the more available a gun is to a kid generally the more responsible the parents have to be with t- talking to them about gun safety mm-hmm. And so there's that the, instead of having, you know, one high, one low, they're both low at this point. And you're like, what the fuck? Seriously? What the fuck? Yeah. You don't leave a goddamn gun lying around and you definitely teach your kids not to fucking touch it. If you see a gun, you do not touch it. You tell an adult, you don't bring it to fucking school. Well, it leads to the next question. What do you think should happen to the parents, the, the mother Especially. Well, according to this fucking Virginia law, they're only going to get charged with misdemeanors, apparently, uh, for for having a, like a, a a loose firearm. Uh, they should it, it, they should get charged with whatever what would have happened to that. Let's say that kid wasn't six and he was eighteen. Yeah, what would you charge that kid with? Oh, he'd be charged charge as an adult. The, charge the fucking parents. Yeah, charges as an the, adult. Charge the mom's fucking gun. What is he doing? Well, this happened in uh, was it like Wisconsin or something a, c- a couple of years ago? Like, uh, kid brought his gun to school, shot people, and then the parents ended up getting hit with the criminal charges. Oh yeah, but well, that's the other thing too because the par- the, the school is like, you need to take this kid out now because he's he's a threat. And the parents are like, no, we'll we'll talk about this tomorrow, and then tomorrow he shot the school up. So yeah, and I think they they didn't supply it, but they definitely were. Uh, very irresponsible, very negligent with their 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 guns. Almost in terms com- of just like, hey, oh, you're going to school. Don't forget your uh, AR, huh? Like almost complicit. Uh, yeah, like to the point of complicity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think honestly, I mean, well, I don't know if you know this, but is is that the the class one misdemeanor? Is that the limit? In Virginia, like it, it can't go any higher I, I than actual. Like, I don't att- know. I didn't read. I only read that one article where they were saying that basically the the fact that she quote unquote supplied the gun to him is only a misdemeanor charge, and that's the highest they can go with that. So they'll have to think of that. They're basically have to think outside the box in order to get some more serious uh, stuff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the CNN article here. Uh, they talked to an associate professor at the University of Virginia Law School. His name is Andrew Block. He said uh, there was a scenario where the parents could be held criminally liable if the weapon belonged to them and they did not keep it properly locked up. Article then says, without more information, it's hard to know if there's criminal liability or not and who should have it. Uh, the, yes, the answer is yes, there should be, and it should be the parents. Yeah. Because I don't think on God's green earth that they're going to be able to charge that kid as an adult. I believe the earliest in any state was either eight or nine years old to be charged as an adult. Yeah. Charge the parents. That's what I would do. You can't, this kid's going to be basically riding uh, CPS juvie or fucking protective services until he's 18 and kicked out of the system. 
Honestly, I think that's what's going to happen. I don't think this kid is right in the head probably because they, they're, they're doing stuff that I don't think would happen to a, an accidental shooting. If you know what I mean? Right. They, I mean, the fact that they're like, this is intentional and they're doing a bunch of stuff. I think this kid's fucked in the head and he's going to be out when he's 18 and we'll see what happens when he kills again, when he's after 18, cause he's got through the entire system as a fuck up. So, but the, I mean, the, the fucking parents, man, the fucking parents. Did you know anyone growing up personally that you thought would be like this, like from a, a young age all the way through like a psycho? Yeah. I don't know. No, there's definitely some oddballs that you're like, I don't know, but I don't think there was anyone that you're just like, this kid is like, this kid's fucked. Yeah. I knew this kid uh, who lived next door to my aunt. Uh, I'm a kid's name is Sean. What the fuck ever. I'll say it. <laughs> there you go. Put him on blast. And I've known him of him. Because we're the I think we're the same age. He might be a year younger than me, but I've known him since like as far back as I can remember. And my aunt doesn't live in that house anymore. And her kids are all, you know, in their 40s now. And to this day, they still talk about Sean. They still talk about this kid <laughs> because this kid, I'm surprised, never did anything like this. This kid was just all sorts of fucked up, would be the type that would like, you know, the, if uh, a neighborhood cat disappeared, quote unquote, it was ran away. Him. It's because yeah. that kid fucking did something to it. Uh, one day, my cousin was just like, uh, Sean's outside playing with a katana. He had a fucking katana and he's just out there playing with it, whacking it against trees. Uh, I, I, I found his mugshot a few years ago. Like he, oh, so he did get a mugshot. Okay. Yeah. He's definitely <laughs> been in and out of the, the penal system, but, uh, which doesn't surprise me in the least, but, uh, what does surprise me is that he never, wherever, you know, he was in school, never, never brought a, a, a you know, a loaded weapon or the katana to, to school. He lived the, the house was owned by his grandparents. He lived with his grandparents. I guess his mother was like, uh, the father was out of the picture and the mother was like a super heroin addict. Oh, so he really had everything going for him in the first place. Yeah. But like your grandparents weren't, I get, they weren't bad people, but they were also, Oh no, but I, I, uh, wait, his name was Sean and he was his parents, his grandparents. Huh? Okay. Very similar situation with Sarah. <laughs> be hilarious if Sarah, I mean, I know Sarah doesn't know him, but he'd be, Hilarious if Sarah knew him. No, it's completely different because uh, he is no longer of this mortal plane. Uh, okay. Yes. I uh, gotcha. That's what that's what happens with heroin. I'll do it. Yep. But uh, yeah, my mother worked at a, a hospital and she worked as a secretary in the emergency room there. And the Sean's grandfather was once admitted to to that hospital. She had to spend a night with this kid. She knew the kid. Like she knew of him. I don't know if he recognized her, but she knew him. Mm-hmm. And I remember she just came home and she just was like, so it's one of those things where all she, all she has to do is walk in the door and go. So Sean was at the hospital tonight and we all know exactly who she's talking about. <laughs> you, you, don't have to, yeah, you don't have to say anything. else. <laughs> and she just described him as a terror. He was just like, uh, like unsupervised, hopped up on goofballs. 
uh, I, that's only picture. Honestly, that's who I'm picturing. Um, reading this article about this kid shooting his teacher. I'm just picturing this kid, Sean. Mm-hmm. If you need a visual too of what this kid looked like, uh, he looked very much like this individual, but without the medical condition. Yeah, look at a picture of like chicken little Justin, aka some diggers, some fuckers, some biggers, whatever you like to call me. Without the medical condition. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, if I, if I may sidebar very quickly. So Sim Fuckus, I follow him on Twitter because he's an adult now and he's like a super wrestling fan, which doesn't surprise me. But he's got a YouTube channel and him and one of his friends, like they just post videos of them just watching old Sim Fuckus videos back from when he was a kid. And he just makes fun of himself. <laughs> at least he's self-aware you know yeah he thinks that i he he loves just looking back at how he was as a kid and he'd be the first person to make fun of uh himself Brandon. that's the friend too that he does his videos with but anyway yeah so um i think the mother if they're bo- if both parents are in the picture charge them both guilt by association because like I mean, you said, Mike, if, if, if you have to, I believe it was the mother's firearm. Correct? It was it legally purchased, legally purchased, which is fine. It's perfectly fine. It's legally purchased. But how I bet I bet dollars to donuts. Uh, do we know the caliber at all? Did they ever release that? Never said anything. I don't okay. think so. I'm assuming it wasn't a 45 because a six year old getting a 45 is probably it. Maybe it was. And that's why he only got one shot off. He, one shot with a 45. The kid blew his fucking uh, wrist off. <laughs> it's a de- uh, can you imagine it's like a desert eagle. Point five zero, and yours says replica. We found the kid wedged in a wall because of the kickback. <laughs> Kid's thirty five pounds, soaking wet, man. He just flew. Um, <laughs> so I'm assuming, I'm assuming that she bought this, and it's a purse pistol for her. Yeah, and that's where she kept it, unsecured. Like a and snub the purse nose. was just. Nah, that's not maybe not a snub nose revolver. Maybe just a small compact nine millimeter or you know thirty eight, three eighty, you know, like something like that. I don't think it's like a 357 Magnum revolver, you know, I, was, uh, I, I feel like it's, it's got the sm- size for concealability enough. It was a, uh, sorry to cut you off. It is a nine millimeter Taurus, nine millimeter Taurus. Okay. Yep. So it's about, uh, yeah, it's, yeah that's about a small a gun. Three and a half inch, four inch barrel. Yeah. You know, and then it's Virginia. So there's no size limit. So it's probably a 16, 15 round clip in there. Sorry. Magazine. I know. Um, and yeah, it's probably, it's probably just a little bit big for his hands and it's Virginia. So she probably didn't have a manual safety, maybe a manual safety on that one. I don't know, but six years old, if you've got kids, like you, you keep things safe. You don't fucking leave it lying around. Like what the fuck locked in a lockbox in a safe, like nothing else. Like, if you're worried about people breaking it to your house, you keep that fucking shit on your body 24 seven. And if you don't, you have it in a biometric safe on your nightstand. Thank you very much. Oh, dude, I was uh, 20 years old when I learned that there was a firearm in my parents' house. Really? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Remember the incident with my parents where my yes, father? Yes, yes. And that's how you found out. That's how I found out. Holy shit. That there was a, it was a rifle too. Oh wow! It's like it was it was it 
temporarily confiscated by the Grafton police? <laughs> no. No, but it was like it was hidden in a closet. And it's like an I, I don't remember any details about is it. Is it still in existence? That is a really good question. I don't know. They might he might have gotten rid of it after this happened, okay. but it'd be interesting to know what it is, too. It was it was like, like an antique like, looking rifle. Well, exactly. Like it's a it's a Remington 35. Oh, really? Because no one uses those anymore ever. Like, I don't even know where you get ammo for that. I don't know if it had any ammo. I didn't know like how functional it was. It's it's a it's a Kentucky long rifle. It's it's a it's a musket. It's a musket. <laughs> it's five feet long, but if you shoot anything more than fifty feet away, it's a it's a football field to the right. Were were you here? I know Nate was here. Were you here where we watched that commercial, or like the the disgruntled employee goes into his workplace with a musket and he goes to shoot the place up, but because the range on the gun is so poor, he yes, doesn't hit I, anything. Y- yes, I believe I remember seeing that. Uh, yes, and he's like, everybody's and he's got to like load it back up. <laughs> he's pouring a little beads in. It's like a it's like a red rifle or a red. Yeah, was it the red uh, rider BB gun? Pouring you little BBs. Into it. <laughs> that commercial was hilarious, and I know it wasn't supposed to be, but it just was. It, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was one of those like it's not intentionally funny, but it is poking fun at tragedy. Sometimes that's the best way to get your point across. I don't even think it was American too. It might have because I know in Canada, because Opie and Anthony had a field day with this, where there's like these PSAs that they used to run up in Canada that were supposed to be, uh, they were supposed to be serious. They were very graphic, but also unintentionally hilarious. Like the one I distinctly remember is a uh, uh, angry guy in a restaurant. The server comes over. She he has like a glass of water. She accidentally spills it on him and he just goes, she spilled my drink and he picks up a cup of coffee or like a pot of coffee and just douses her with it. (laughs) Ah, Yes. Like, like I get, I get the message here, but that's just funny. That's just hilarious. But uh, except when you actually see it in the news going, oh my God, people are that fucking nuts. (laughs) All right. Uh, Very good or not very good, I guess. Yeah, that's uh, we'll see what happens with uh, little Johnny son of a bitch over here. No. And that's the thing. There's like six year olds. There's six year olds that people know that like I would trust that person with a gun. You know, there's like they've been they grow up. Their dad's like, I hunt for a fucking living. And they they teach them the basics like you don't fucking point it at anything you don't want to kill. You never, you know, you automatically see what's like all these rules. And like that six-year-old, I would trust to, you know, carry it around town and not have a, a care in the world. And then there's people that are like adults that you're like, I don't trust them with the fucking pencil sharpener. <laughs> and this kid is in group two, except he's six years old. So we know already when he's an adult, no, 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 no. You're on a fucking red flag list for everybody. Not even a, not even a pencil sharpener. The Crayola box with the pencil sharpener. <laughs> I begged my How father did he make a gun out of Crayola. I don't ask. I begged my father to like take me out to like Staples when those things were introduced. I think I was six years old when they were introduced, but it was such a big deal because everyone mm-hmm. shows up at school the next day with the Crayola boxes, a 64 count with the crayon sharpener. It's just newfangled technology. I'm like, I must have this. I do have to admit, at least my parents did understand the difference between Rose Art and Crayola, though. 
they were like, no, 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 no. We can like, we can cheap out on some stuff, but we cannot cheap out on the crayons. Look, look, we'll we'll buy Hydrox. You will drink hey, all Hydrox was the original. Thank you very much. Oreo actually ripped Hydrox off. You will drink Ovaltine. No, 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 never Ovaltine. <laughs> but we'll get you Crayola. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, very quickly, uh, Boston Calling 2023 uh, Foo Fighters headline okay. on May 26th. Um, their first, uh, technically Boston Calling was the first show that they announced. Um, after Taylor. Well, not after Taylor, uh, after uh, confirming at the beginning of the year. That they're still going to actually be Foo Fighters. Correct. That they were not breaking up. And they a swath of major festivals were announced today, the 10th of January, Boston Calling, Coachella, um, uh, a few others, uh, Bonnaroo as well, uh, but Foo Fighters playing several of the, those festivals. Including Is that Boston a chance going to be able to uh, cover for the other bands that are going to bow out? <laughs> I think da- I don't know if Dave wants to do that again. <laughs> I, I, that took a lot out of him. I mean, you're Dave Grohl. You can do whatever you want, but that dude literally played with every single act at both of those tribute shows, including the opener, including Liam Gallagher. Uh, the Boston Calling this year, we've got Foo Fighters, uh, the Lumineers, Paramore, uh, the National, Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, Alanis Morissette, uh, Queens of the Stone Age. And a reunited Walkman. We've also got the Flaming Lips, Bleachers, King Gizzard, and the Lizard Wizard, and many, many more. Many more. Also, the Linda Lindas, who I saw at Riot Fest. I'm wearing my Riot Fest shirt right now. Mike, I hope you like the logo, if it reminds you of anything. I, I always appreciate a fine logo, sir. But um, and for the if you're not watching the visual components in the style of uh, the Grand Theft Auto Vice City logo, but uh, Linda Linda's a band comprised of quite literally teenagers. I think the drummer is only like 12 years old, but absolutely fantastic. Oh, my God, they are great. And I and I hope they don't get the the, the time slot that they got at Riot Fest 1230 p.m. on Sunday. Move them up, put them later in the day, get them closer to the headliners because they are good. They put on a good, a good set, a very good set, a good show. Good show. So yes, good, very good show. Uh, tickets for Boston calling. Uh, here's the, here's the kicker. One day pass, uh, starting at $139 up to $899. And uh, if you want to go for the three day, that's 299 up to almost 2000. If you want that platinum VIP treatment, I don't need the platinum VIP treatment because it's going to be four thousand after fucking Ticketmaster prices. Yeah, fuck you, Ticketmaster. Well, I will say I do. I, I'm still impressed that Paramore is headlining. That they're at the point now where they they're headlining festivals. Good on them. I'm an OG Paramore fan, man. <laughs> Back when they were te- they, they, when they were the Linda Lindas, when they were the teenagers, back when their drummer uh, are, was. Are, are, is Paramore going to be headlining, or are they going to bring Olivia Rodrigo in as well? <laughs> when, now, now, because they have fifty percent royalties, are they going to play that song? It hasn't been in any of their sets. I mean, wouldn't that be fucking hilarious? Like, hey guys, 
I know this isn't ours. It's technically a cover, but we get 50% of the royalties. So fuck it. Let's play it. <laughs> it is technically our song. <laughs> or, or like literally if they did like a crossover and they, like they played, I mean, it'd be tough because you're so used to playing, you know, misery business anyway on its own, but like weaving in and out of both versions. Well, remember bittersweet symphony by the verve. They they sampled too much of a Rolling Stones song. So for yes. uh, only only up until a few years ago, the royalties were all going to Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. Yeah, which sucks because you're like, and now they're if they just took a couple seconds off and they you know they had known. Well, now they're going to the Verve and Richard Ashcroft. I can't remember if they're getting back royalties. I can't remember what the deal was. But even like Keith Richards came out and was just like, what? Who cares? It's a good song. Give them their money. Yeah, it's it's the uh, the not the artists. It's the uh, record labels that want their cash. Nah. It's all about you money. know it. It's all about money in the end. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. I tell you something that bothers me is whenever people say out loud Alanis Morissette, there's always a an inflection that people put on her surname. Because I'm Morissette. Say, yeah, because I say it like Alanis Morissette, but then you'll have people like Alanis Morissette. Like there's something about like the the second syllable in her last name that they have to emphasize, and I just I I don't get it. People do it. It just it, it's an irrational like. Irk Alanis Morissette. Alanis Morissette. Like like just Alanis Morissette. Morissette. Alanis Morissette. Alanis Morissette. Alanis Alanis Morissette. How does she pronounce it? That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> Alanis Smith. You ought to know. Dave Coulier. Alanis Coulier. <laughs> oh. Alanis Coulier. <laughs> uh, but I mean, uh, she's a uh, headlining too. So good on her. Good on her. Good for you. All right. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Mike, thank you for being here. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Thank you for talking. David Lee Roth. Uh, uh, <laughs> Star Wars, <laughs> Star Wars, and uh, child terrorists. It happens. It happens. I'm trying not to raise any child terrorists. So, good. so far, so good. I have kids haven't shot any teachers yet. Hopping and bopping and popping, baby, with the boss bed for the top of the pop smash gold with the timely tunes for those with a textured taste. Shut up, Dave. No time to waste. Uh, do you fear that, like Nick, would be the type to? Uh, take interest in in uh, any of your weapons bring them uh, to he's school. always interested in my nerf so it's it's always a, a, a topic of conversation uh and and there you know it, it'll get introduced at a, at a later date when he's more responsible um but uh i mean i think as long as he's you know well adjusted i don't see any problem with it um but you know it's one of those things where if if there is an issue, I mean, it it's it's one of those things where you're like, all right, we're gonna double lock, double key everything, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you'd but, be able to tell too. Oh my god, yeah, from a, yeah, this this kid's got empathy up the ass. Good, right? yeah, oh yeah, uh, the, and you can tell like, the only the only the only way it would be misinterpreted is if he's protecting his sister. That's I'm I'm curious if this kid has a, a sibling or if he's an only child because I wonder if there's sort of that inherent uh, protector, you know. I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure, but like uh, they both protect each other. Like uh, somebody like Nick was like, yeah, there was a kid that pushed me in school. And Gigi was like, 
oh, like, oh my God, I'm scared of you right now. <laughs> no one touches my brother. Okay. And how old is she? She's three and a half. Oh my God. Yeah. Now just uh, uh, 10 years later when she turns into a teenager, just imagine what that's going to be like. Oh, oh, believe me. We see that what we see in front of us. We're going, we're going to enjoy every day with her until she, until she, until she hits puberty, because then she's going to turn into a monster. Has it dawned on you yet that she will grow up and that she will be a teenage girl? Oh yes. Uh, Sarah is acutely aware. She goes, this is, this is my punishment. <laughs> uh, nice. like, well, good, good luck. Cause she's going to be a daddy's girl. So I'm going to have a good time. So nice. <laughs> Sucks for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. All right. And for the rest of you, thank you for listening. Uh, We will talk at you next time. See you. Bye. Goodbye. Manifestation may not have happened.